Finding the music you love shouldn't be hard. That's why Pandora makes it easy to explore all your favorites and discover new artists and genres you'll love. Enjoy a personalized listening experience simply by selecting any song or album, and we'll make a station crafted just for you. Best of all, you can listen for free. Download Pandora on the Apple App Store or Google Play and start hearing the soundtrack to your life. When I found out I was going to be a parent, I immediately felt a lot of anxiety and worry. So I went on to BetterHelp to try to look for a therapist to help me with that. My relationship with my family and with my boyfriend and with myself were suffering. I really needed help. I was ruminating a lot. Really getting those thoughts out to a therapist and getting feedback was just life-changing. If you're thinking of giving therapy a try, learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. All right, you ready? Mm-hmm. Let's go. We got to do it at the same time? Is it really? I don't know. I mean, it's me weird. Like if you just... Hi, I'm Eric. I'm Brittany. And we are for Colored Nerds. Yes. So... We've had a we had a guest last week and that was fun. Yeah, it was really fun. And we figured why not do it again? Why not do it again? <laughs> Thankfully, Juan, Ron, John, Jesus, he Roland. should not be named, uh, cannot come back this week. No. Um so we decided to upgrade a little bit. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I didn't I'm not I didn't co sign that necessarily, but we do have uh we do have quite the expert on our hands today. We have a good friend of the show. Brittany, will will you do a formal introduction. Yes. Okay. So, currently in the studio, we have the illustrious, beautiful, brilliant, talented, wonderful person, fantastic writer. Our guest today is an arts, entertainment, and culture writer for the Washington Post, and she regularly contributes to the Post Style blog. She's also a dear friend of ours and a fellow bison. H-U. H-U. You fucking know. <laughs> Welcome, Soraya Nadia McDonald. Woo! Hi, guys. <laughs> Wow, that was a really very nice and generous introduction. You came all the way from D.C., so (laughs) I'm going to do my best to live up to the expectations that you've set forth. No, I mean, we are so glad that you could join us. Yes. Uh, And we've got some good stuff to talk about today, I think. Yeah, well, I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So we saw Bessie. I mean, I think we should should just start there. Yeah. And I think that got us thinking about black women. And also, (laughs) it got us thinking about uh, black women in music and how throughout time, black women have really been able to, like, shine and rise to pretty unbelievable heights for the time that they were in. Mm -hmm. A lot of times the highest of heights in the the field period of anybody currently, like, recording or producing or touring or whatever. Yeah, in the field of music specifically. I think it would be good to kind of talk about that. You know, why, like, why we're able to do that there, like, how big we're actually, I mean, I say we, I'm not a black woman, but how big black women are (laughs) actually able to get. And, you know, the things that go into that. So let's do it. Okay. Sounds good. All right. So Bessie was amazing. Yeah. Well, we watched it in, like, the best way. Like, Eric moved. We haven't, we didn't mention that on the show. Eric is no longer my neighbor, which is sad. I'm in Flatbush, repping Flatbush now. Okay. No, that's good though, because like his whole neighborhood is Caribbean. Yeah, and it's you're... a roachy spot, like every three doors. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And your wife is Caribbean, and your daughter is also Caribbean. Yes, it's just you who's not. Yeah, yeah I'm not. <laughs> I man out, but you know that's cool. I, you know, I got my curry goat. Yeah, uh, but so. yeah, he has a big, beautiful apartment, and we all actually had breakfast this morning. Yes. Wonderful breakfast that was yeah. lovingly prepared. By your wonderful wife. It was a nice way to start the day. It's like, a good vibe. It was a good yeah. vibe. Yeah. Yeah. And then we sat and watched Queen Latifah kill it for <sighs> like two hours. Yeah. I mean, people are already talking about like, man, the movie is going to be like Golden Globe nominated. Like, she kind of stepped outside of herself to really, really portray this character. In a yeah. way that was That was somewhat genuine. In addition, it was also just really damn funny. Like, she was G as shit. Like, yeah. Like, look. <laughs> Look, when she was like constantly going in on these random ridiculous white people, she stood up to the KKK. Yeah. She was slapping people. She was stabbing folks. Had a hatchet. Had a hatchet. And to take it back, I guess, a bit, Bessie Smith, if you don't know. Yeah. (laughs) You should. Bessie Smith was a G. Yeah. (laughs) She uh, is a blues singer, or was a blues singer, rather, who grew up 
in Chattanooga. Chattanooga. Mm-hmm. Pretty much, she came up under the wing of Ma Rainey mm-hmm. and really made a name for herself singing like blues, like real, like soulful feeling blues. And she had her own show, had her own train car, and really kind of, I think, elevated blues and brought it to the national forefront to the point where she was playing like packed houses not of not only with black people but with white people as well mm-hmm. which was pretty amazing for the time so yeah she kind of paved the way for people like billy holiday interestingly enough mm-hmm. the people who we mentioned you know there's a long line of people who came after yeah um so you know you have you had like before her you had my rainy but then you had bessie smith but then you also have josephine baker billy holiday going you know going for you have Diana Ross, mm-hmm. like Donna Summer, like who I, I mean, I was talking to you, Brittany, I didn't even realize Donna Summer was as massive yeah. as she really was. Like she was, she was it for, for a yeah. minute. Yeah. Uh, but then you also have like Tina Turner, Whitney, Janet. Now you got Beyonce, mm-hmm. Nikki, like who isn't necessarily a R&B singer, but at the, at the end of the day, she is a black female superstar and certainly the the type of music that she makes and the type of messages that she gets across are so so many of them are so in line with bessie smith it's like it's mm-hmm. it's amazing i mean say more about that what do you mean i mean obviously like you know we're experiencing a little bit more of i i think as nikki's public persona like she's kind of breaking like bringing down like this curtain i think we're seeing more of who you know nikki the person is but the nikki minaj or the roman zelansky and all these different personas are these just, like, respectability-bucking people. They're going to have sex whenever they want with whoever they want. They're going to spend their money. They're going to look good. Fuck you if you disagree. Fuck you if you get in the way. And we all watch Bessie. I would say that that's pretty much what that was 100% about. Like, I'm me. This is what I want to do. I'm running the show. And you kind of, like, get on board or get the fuck out of the way. Oh, she's totally bucking respectability politics. I mean, I think it's so great when we see in the movie that she has like this reverse paper bag test, yeah. and she tells this girl to get <laughs> off the stage because she's too, too she's too light. Like, what she say? Get these high yellow bitches out of my yes, no high yellow bitches. And she threw the paper bag. I was just like, this is oh. the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. And you, I mean, I, I had never, I never heard that before. Clearly, like, I mean, the only way we hear about the paper bag test is the reverse, like mm-hmm, how they right. portrayed it at the beginning of the movie. So it's nice to see that these types of things like happen. That it was somebody so G, and mm-hmm. you know, and and real all the way back then. She's having this conflict where you know she's got like black people who want to try to make her more palatable to white folks. I think it's so funny when you see these record executives from Black Swan. <laughs> Who signed their letters, <laughs> yours in negritude. Yes. Right. And then, you know, when they finally meet her and take a meeting with her, they're like, oh, no, this, this ain't going to work. You're bad for the race. When she <laughs> spit in a teacup, I was like, <laughs> I mean, sometimes you got to clear your throat. I know. Like, and sitting in that oak panel room with those light skin, like just super light, like octoroon ass new blacks up in Harlem. <laughs> I was just like, this is the greatest thing I've ever seen in my life. Yeah. I had a conversation yesterday with someone and she brought up the Blue Vein Society. Um, (laughs) And of course, I started reading about that. I had no idea because my own family on my father's side belonged to the Christian Methodist Episcopalian Church. Had no idea that before it used to be the colored Methodist Episcopalian Church. Wow. You know, and there were setups where you would have a guy who would basically like station himself in the front of the church with a fine tooth comb. And if your hair got stuck in the comb, you were not coming in. Word. That was that wow. was not the Jesus for you. Dang. I Are actually never serious? heard this before. I've Let's never heard it. of that. I knew that Howard had photo applications back in the day. Man. I didn't realize that. Yeah, Howard had that. photo applications back in the day. And that's that's why you look back at all them old ass photos. <laughs> <laughs> On Twitter one day, somebody said, I think it was Jamelia Lemieux. And she was like, you know, that guy who were our kind of people. Yeah. yeah. Like, he was, you know, he did a lot of research about Blue Vein Society and all those different types of organizations that mm-hmm. were like formed for black people in like the early, late 1800s, early 1900s. And she was like, if you read Our Kind of People, he would have you thinking that everybody at Howard would look like Mariah Carey and Jesse Williams. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, yeah, that's about right. But back when they had the photo applications, that was what that was the look that they were going for. Yeah. It's also crazy that, I mean, ultimately, 
how she did become comfortable was, you know, with this larger, like, white record company as well. I mean, it kind of sucks that in that yeah. situation, you know, the, the opportunities that were offered to her through other black people were in this type of situation where yeah. it was, like, just super stuffy. And I was like, damn. And it's really great to see her and Ma Rainey, like, the way they're able to build these huge personas for themselves. I Almost, I feel like, they're not just subverting respectability politics, but really sort of appealing to people's ids. And, you know, they give permission for people to sort of give into that. You know, they make it okay. And of course, you know, people are human. Like they're yeah. going to, they're going to want to do that. I feel like people are always waiting for someone to give them permission. Mm. You know, the way Beyonce gives people permission to wear jersey bodysuits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And and you have these two women who are dark skinned, they're bigger, and they're having a blast. You know, there's this aura about them. There's this wonderful magnetic stage presence that they have that transcends whatever uh, whatever crazy standards of beauty are present at the time. Like, it doesn't matter because they just have these voices that carry people along with them. I think you see that a lot. If we're, you know, if we're going like further down the list and we're looking at, say, Josephine Baker or Billie Holiday or Diana Ross, who are all, they fit into... A classic mode, I guess. Right. They're, they're more of a sort of classic idea of like the beauty standard within the black community. Mm-hmm. You know, they're a little closer to whiteness. They're a little lighter, a little brighter, yeah. a little smaller. But they're still like working within a larger structure of a beauty standard that's centered around like whiteness and like white blonde sort of, I don't want to say Aryan. I mean... <laughs> You yeah. know, <laughs> that's fair. Yeah. But that's, you know, that's kind of what they're up against and able to sort of like create a space for themselves where they can be themselves, you know, for Josephine Baker that was in Paris, where they can be themselves and just really like thrive. Yeah. You know what that actually makes me think of a little bit and to jump forward a whole lot, but like Missy. Like, Missy yes. kind of reminds yeah. me of that. Like, Missy always kind of, she always owned, you know, like, who she is. Mm-hmm. And she was never apologetic for it at all, which she mm-hmm. didn't have to be. But, you know, and she, like, she was kind of electric in that way that it made you, you were there with her. You wanted to be Missy. It didn't matter that she didn't look like yeah. uh, Aaliyah, for example. You know, mm-hmm. like, she was just as sexy. She was just as powerful. She was just as, like, on it. Which I thought was like really cool. It just kind of like popped in my head. Well, also even the camaraderie too. That, that one of the things I really enjoyed and that I found really affirming was watching the scenes with Monique and like Monique fucking killed yeah, Ma she Rainey. Really, really like killed. I was sitting there and I was like, Yo, <laughs> Monique, I can fucking act. Like, can we get her somewhere soon? Yeah. But um, the scenes with Ma Rainey and Bessie, it was so nice to see. And even even when she was reading the Vanity Fair article, when like Bessie came back, like like way later in life and was staying at my Rainey's house, just like they were so about each other. Even when they got into it, like even after the fact, they were still so about each other and they got to have this camaraderie. They got to have this this sisterhood and this friendship and this like this creative, I guess, synergy. You know, I mean, I guess also to jump forward, when you talk about Missy, Missy was is always was always trying to bring up another black girl. Yeah. See, so she had not just like mm-hmm. Aaliyah, not just Sierra, but she had like, Nicole total. Ray. Total. Oh, shit. Sorry, I just thought about Kima, <laughs> Kima, Keisha, and Pam. I love all yeah. of them. But yeah, total, she was trying to bring up... Um, tweet. Yeah, tweet. Exactly. And not all those girls necessarily had the look of the time. Like, Lil Mo no, didn't totally. necessarily have the look of the time. Nicole Ray didn't necessarily have the look of the time. But yeah, she was always trying to bring up these other girls with her, um, which I, I really appreciate. And even, actually, something that I really enjoyed, Soraya wrote about um, this past week was, I'm a huge Beyonce fan. I'm like a Beyonce a pedia, basically. <laughs> I'm a, a Yancepedia. And something I always notice is that she never positions any woman, even just within the context of a video, or she rarely does position any woman to really be her equal. She did a video with Lady Gaga, a couple of videos with Lady Gaga. Yeah. And they kind of got to be equals in the video, but still, like in public, Beyonce didn't know Lady Gaga like that. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And she like said she said really nice things about her in interviews. Yeah, yeah, I think she gave her a diamond riding crop as a gift, actually, which is wow. That's kind of awesome. I know. I think it's like so fucking brilliant. I need one of those. I wish. I wish any one of my girlfriends would give me. A, you know, Soraya, for coming today. When I get, when I finally fucking come up, I'm gonna get you a diamond riding crop. She's nice. gonna get you a, a cubic zirconia one. Yep, exactly. <laughs> I'll make it I'll take rhinestones. It. Actually, I would prefer that. <laughs> yes, get me a cubic zirconia riding crop. <laughs> then you won't crop. have to pawn it. But it's very, you know, even Shakira, like he had Beyonce and Shakira. I I could sense that Beyonce had a lot of respect for Shakira with the way that they did Beautiful Liar and how they both kind of adapted to each other's dance styles Mm -hmm. and like adopted each other's look for that video. But Beyonce 
is the most powerful famous woman, most powerful black woman probably right now, is like culturally in the world. Totally. And the fact that she's like allowed Nikki to kind of join her in that, the the relationship with Ma Rainey seemingly in the same position back in the early 1900s, being looking at Bessie Smith, who kind of like hopped up, literally hopped up in her train car, yeah. like what's good? And she was like, you know <laughs> put what? Me on. Yeah, she's like, put me on. <laughs> hey, uh, you like music? I got this mixtape. Like. <laughs> <laughs> like, it was cool of Ma Rainey, instead of being like, get the fuck out of here, she was like, oh, cool. You seem cool. We're both black. You like girls. I like girls. You like music? Let's kick it. Right. Beyonce doing that with Nicki right now is very, 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 very interesting to me. I, I think there's a level of, like, we got to stick together that definitely, like, shines through there. Because I think she also sees maybe what Nicki has had to go through. I mean, Nicki hasn't gotten a lot of credit just to be no just it's to be true fair. and we yeah. talked about that yeah mm-hmm. i mean and i i mean i'm even one you know who at the beginning i kind of denied her that credit mm-hmm. but i think she's finally breaking through and kind of getting embraced in a way and beyonce definitely wants to play a part in showing that yo like this is somebody who is legit you need to stop fucking with her like because <laughs> she real yeah <laughs> there's definitely some like comparisons yeah or some mirrors well, so right, you dug into we watched a movie this morning but you also dug into the aesthetics of their relationship and this goes back to what you were saying about like Nikki not necessarily getting enough credit. And I think probably one of the things that Beyonce sees in Nikki, it's really weird because in a lot of ways, Nikki feels like this younger sister to Beyonce, yeah. even though they're either about or almost the same age. But I think there was that really wonderful YouTube clip of Nikki that just went viral when she was talking about sort of like the double standards within rap. If she asks for the same things that Wayne asks for and she wants things to be done in a specific way, uh, you know, when Wayne asks for those things, he's bossed up. Yeah. And when Nikki asks for those things, you know, she's a bitch. I think there is there's something there that like Beyonce can totally identify with. And it's funny because she had benefited from having sort of the protection of Matthew for a long time. Yeah. You know, and then it almost seemed like, okay, well, you know, for a while it was like Matthew who was sort of like fighting her battles and now it's Jay-Z and it's clearly not. Like, that is clearly a partnership of equals and if anything, like, Beyonce is maybe the head of that household. Yeah. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, but I appreciated, like, when she talks in her documentary about, like, the things that she learned from Jay because there were just shit that he would just never put up with, you know, and she felt like this responsibility to be nice to people. This is always a thing that women are trying to overcome because they're Mm -hmm. socialized to be nice. So I think there's a lot of like commonalities there between Beyonce and Nikki just working within the music industry and asking for what they're due, which you also see with Bessie. Yeah, Mm -hmm. clearly. Like this is just an ongoing conflict. (laughs) Yeah, but the thing that struck me about the Feeling Myself video, you know, I wrote about it it, sort of comparing it uh, with Taylor Swift's Bad Blood. Um, because <laughs> man, like it was like Beyonce was like, okay, I'm gonna let you have like 24 hours. Yeah. like you can have your shine, Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> and then, all right, fine, that's it. Like, <laughs> like Beyonce doesn't have like a lot of women who she surrounds herself with in that way that she's had this public relationship with Nikki. I mean, obviously there was like Destiny's Child, but mm-hmm. Beyonce was always clearly the star of Destiny's yeah. Child. <laughs> yeah. Whereas Nikki feels more like an equal and a contemporary. It feels like they're getting equal camera time and just the way that they're relating to each other in the video. Like there are a couple of girlfriends who are just having a great time. They at swap Coachella. outfits at one point in the video. Right. They swap outfits. They're sharing like candy. They're sharing candy. You know, they're like gazing into each other's eyes and then mm. cracking up. It's very much like selling this idea of female friendship. That's interesting, too, because, like, you see a lot of pictures of Beyonce out. Like, obviously, you see a lot of pictures of her out with Mm Jay-Z. Even way back, you saw some pictures with her and Solange. Like, But you don't see, like, pictures of Beyonce just, like, hanging out. No. You know what I'm saying? Like, you you don't really know who her crew is. Outside of Cousin Angie? Yeah. (laughs) Outside, it's, like, Angie, Kelly, Solange. Yeah. Yeah. That's That's the list. And I mean the same. It's the same kind of way with with Nikki. Like a lot of times when you you know you mm. see pictures of her like outside of the context of like a video or something like that. She's with she's with Mint. You know she's yeah. with right. like the other people on Young Money. Yeah. And so it was interesting. It was cool to kind of see what their like sisterhood dynamic would be outside of the whole like the biz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even though 
interesting enough, that was for right. like for the video. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I thought that was kind of cool too. Like going back to that that sisterhood dynamic, they were giving kind of people that, considering the fact that you don't get that from them outside of How? Um, you know what you're paying for. Right. What's funny to me about that is that there's a purposeful element to this. Like they're not just doing it like because you know they just they really homies. like each other, <laughs> right? <laughs> Like, Taylor Swift does this, too. Taylor Swift is, like, the queen of this. And Helen Peterson of BuzzFeed, like, says that Taylor Swift is basically the queen of strategic friend collecting. You know, because she she wants to get everyone on her side. I think part of that is, like, she just wants to be liked. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then she has to show everybody how much she's liked, you know. And so, like, that's basically chronicled through her Instagram feed. She wants to put forth... This imagery, and I, I can kind of understand like why she'd want to do that because it's so easy for gossip sites to sort of put forth like these manufactured feuds. Yeah, mm-hmm. she wants to make sure like there are all these famous people who could be like, oh my goodness, Taylor Swift was so nice to me. Like she's collected the squad that she can bombard everybody with, which she did <laughs> in Bad Blood. Bombard is like, a good word. Yeah. Taylor Swift and all these other girls, like, who are you going to believe? Are you going to believe them and, like, how nice they testified to Taylor Swift being? Or are you going to believe Katy Perry, who says, beware of the Regina George in sheep's clothing? And, like, I think it come, it does come off, like, super manufactured and fake. Where, interesting enough, you know, with Beyonce and Nicki, like you said, we know they're not hanging out yeah. on, like, a Tuesday, you know, but... That came off so much more genuine. But you know what, though? Some of that is due to, which also still reminds me of Bessie, is is Black Cool. Black Cool is able to sell that. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. We're yeah. like, not coming for all white girls right now, but Taylor Swift definitely reeks of white girl desperation. You remember that one point <laughs> in, <laughs> I hate to say it, but you know that one point in Bessie where she goes to Carla Invecton's house, and Carla Invecton was a photographer who photographed mm. like everybody at the time. So he photographed Zora. It was a white guy. He photographed Zora. Bessie... Langston, young Diane Carroll, uh, like anybody that you could think of, any like really famous black person at the mm-hmm. time. He's also a huge dick, which you see in the movie. Yeah. And his <laughs> yeah. wife, I think, tries to like come up and like put like put her body on Bessie and be like, I heard you were a wild. Bessie did the best shit ever. She shit that I've wanted to do to so many people at the fucking fuck club. Off yeah. Me. Get the fuck off me. <laughs> she just like right. slapped this bitch out the way. But that was definitely some white girl desperation. And like Taylor Swift is like kind of like her video with Bad Blood. Yeah. Because even like she had a couple of like black girls in there who I actually think are super cute, like Zendaya, yeah. who I'm obsessed sure. with. I've been obsessed with, I've been buying Zendaya singles for three years. I'm a grown person. <laughs> um, she had Zendaya there. She had Tiana, whose real name is Soraya from um, Empire. Empire. Yeah. How, how the fuck I forget that show? So she had like some tr- strategically placed girls of color. She had Kendrick Lamar in there. So she's like, you guys, I spent all this money. I have all these special <laughs> effects. I have all these supermodels. I have all these famous friends. Like you need to calm down. But whereas like Beyonce and Nikki are just like, all they did literally, because you know my black ass, obviously I fucking signed up for title. I knew it was going to be on YouTube in like three hours. My blood pressure didn't have three hours to wait to watch this Beyonce and Nikki video. So of course I signed up for fucking like, Fortunately, shout out actually Alicia from Black Girls Talking because she tipped me off that I could still get a free like a free, a free title trial. yeah a free title subscription. Oh, wow. um, I had no idea. So then I was like, wait, 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 because at first I was like, y'all put this shit on title, fuck y'all. And then she was like, no, 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 no. She was like, get your free trial. I was like, all right, all right, let me do it. I'm sitting at work. The shit was crashing. I was freaking out, but I finally saw it. And, like, the whole video obviously was awesome. But when they got to the part where literally Beyonce is like, oh, is that Bubblicious gum? And Nikki's like, no, it's now and later. It's now all black girls know. Yes. If somebody gives you some any, like twenty five cents, you're gonna probably buy Bubblicious watermelon Bubblicious gum, mm-hmm. or some fucking purple now and later's. And like literally seeing them, these two super rich black women, right, who are cool beyond belief, who are fine beyond belief, who are sexy beyond belief, who are accomplished beyond belief, just sitting there, probably both kind of drunk, sharing some fucking like corner store candy. Like that, like that's black cool right there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like in a little nutshell, like with that little seven second exchange, that's sort of like, I'm not saying Beyonce meant to do this because she's, you know, queen of niceties. But that was like basically, you know, when you use a public restroom, well, not for you, Eric, but like when you use a public restroom, sorry, and you don't want to touch the handle. So you take your foot and you press it on there, Mm -hmm. especially if you're at a dive bar. That's what I felt like Beyonce did a Taylor Swift video with those seven seconds just asking. (laughs) I was just like, God damn. She played your whole fucking life. But, like, 
she just took little these just it was black cool that's it as opposed to this white girl desperation yeah that's deep too like (laughs) i think that comes through a lot that comes through a lot i think with you know with beyonce and nikki but also if you look at like the response to a lot of like a taylor swift to a katy perry you know people have like real visceral i mean i sometimes have real visceral reactions to like taylor swift and katy perry just because it like you say it feels there's there's like that coolness factor that's sometimes kind of missing oh, everything like seems real the baby hairs with katy perry had yeah the baby hairs? yeah <laughs> you know yeah trying to look like you know fk twig but <laughs> that's right she really was she really was but you know and and it's crazy how something can still be somewhat manufactured, but just so effortless on the other side. That was deep. You came up on something right there. You know, yeah. every once in a while. <laughs> I think you also hit on something with, like, this woman. When she comes up and she wants to embrace Bessie, like, this public consumption of black women's bodies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Speak on it, Soraya. <laughs> Go to church. Go to church. You know, because she's, she's never met this woman before. Yeah. She only knows her through her music. And she just feels like she has this right. There's an assumed right that, of course, I can just come up and embrace you. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't even quite an embrace. She no, like, she like, she like she's kind her. of throwing herself at her. Yeah. Like, oh, you're wild. Like, you know, hey, come go down on me. <laughs> yeah, I got like it was very that. sexualized. <laughs> yeah, it was. And you could see that Bessie was really wary of that, like early in her career, where, you know, she's got record executives who are coming up to her and who are offering basically the opportunity to cross over. Bessie's kind of like, I'm good. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I'm already selling out, you know, the Eastern Seaboard. I don't really need you. My man got me this like whole (laughs) gang of train cars. Like, y'all can keep y'all record deals. I don't need these white people's money (laughs) because like what it comes with strings. Yeah. Mm. You know, it comes with shit like this that she doesn't want to deal with with but inevitably like the really big pop stars that we've been talking about at some point like that has to happen you know they may start out with like a really strong black following which is kind of what happened with destiny's child yeah you know although like i feel like folks was it like the second album when like they really sort of began to cross over and like you know there was charlie's angels and Oh, shit was so good. Yeah. I just got chills. I mean, and that was that was really important. Like, just, I hate to go back to Beyonce again, but <laughs> when I think about what she did with Beyonce album, mm. like, she's really putting herself out there in a way that she hadn't before, particularly with her, her expression of her sexuality, which has, like, nods to Josephine Baker. Like, if you go back and look at the which video is it it's from it's the one with her and jay in the vintage car oh partition partition <laughs> gosh yeah i'm getting old why can't i remember that <laughs> yeah Apples all the time which is so funny because it's a nod back to this earlier display of sexuality that you see with josephine baker to the point that you know they're even bringing back this vintage car that's like very prominent in this video and like mm. the way her hair is slicked down Almost as if to say, there's really no reason for you guys to be scandalized by this because it's already happened before. Mm. Yeah. But she's sort of like coming into her own and embracing that for herself. It's it's almost it's almost sort of an inoculation against slut shaming, mm. um, which is also like kind of what I thought about the fact like this album came out like she couldn't do it without having gotten married and being a mother. I feel like that really sort of colored the reception to it. Mm. And even still, like you had, I think there was one newspaper that. Had had a headline. It was I want to say it was a British newspaper that was like horror Beyonce performs at Yeah. What was it? The MTV Awards? Like no, that. or the Grammys. Oh, right. When she did Drunk in Love with Jay. When she did Drunk in Love. And sort of like the automatic defense, like the one that comes to people's minds is, what are you talking about? They're married. Yeah. <laughs> you yeah. know, like, it's okay because they're married. Like, what else do you want? Why are you still trying to project yeah. all this morality on this woman and police her? Even though, you know, I think there's an argument to be made that really it shouldn't, it matter, shouldn't matter as much as it does. But I she's very aware of the fact that it does. Finding the music you love shouldn't be hard. That's why Pandora makes it easy to explore all your favorites and discover new artists and genres you'll love. Enjoy a personalized listening experience simply by selecting any song or album, and we'll make a station crafted just for you. Best of all, you can listen for free. Download Pandora on the Apple App Store or Google Play and start hearing the soundtrack to your life. 
Want to connect with a family member who doesn't speak your language? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning through an intuitive process. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. And with a lifetime membership, you have access to all 25 offered languages. Get started today. Visit rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 to get 50% off your lifetime membership now. That's rosettastone.com backslash pod 50 for 50% off. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. I mean, that also reminds me of, like, Janet. Mm. Mm-hmm. And Janet really ran into this. Like, you know, if you think about oh, yes. um, mm. where she started making her shifts into, like, embracing her sexuality with Janet. Like, with Janet, Whew. with the album Janet. Yeah. And then also, like, Velvet Rope. Yeah. You know, I think it was it was cool to a certain degree until she got to the Super Bowl. Yeah. Right. And then, you know, people were kind of confronted by the sexuality. And then yeah. literally folks tried to end her career. Well, I mean, she's already she was already at icon status, so her career yeah. couldn't be like totally ended. But Janet was super fucking hot during that point in oh, time. Yes. And she has not recovered. And I'm gonna be hundred percent real with you. Like Justin Timberlake, to my mind, he's come out with some bops. You will not catch me as a real grown woke person. Yeah. I don't give that motherfucker a dime of my money especially the last album that came out where he was talking about suit and tie and he was basically like brill creamed within an inch of his motherfucking life <laughs> looking like <laughs> them octoroons from Black Swan Records and Bessie do you know what I'm Look at, with that very cotton club Harlem Renaissance kind of mm-hmm. imagery yeah. I couldn't stomach that shit I couldn't because yeah. he hasn't even what, what looked askant like any of us since then in, a, in any real to me meaningful way their careers basically completely flip flop Justin was on the way to becoming a solo artist that was yeah. going to be a superstar which he mm-hmm. now is and Janet was an existing superstar but like being a black woman and having sexual agency and then having people see her nipple which like Jesus if Christ, you've been people. to the club at any point in the past 10 years man even without trying you've seen some nipples y'all gonna grow the fuck up yeah. but like that was literally that was like a thing that you talked about being scandalized like people were scandalized very very clearly by that I remember being like what maybe 13 14 at the time yeah and like seeing it on TV, seeing her nipple and being like, oh, that's deep. And then forgetting about it. Um, but then. Like, yeah, but then. Then there's the whole, well, uh, blow you up, know, yeah. exactly. There's a blow up. And then also she's she's a black woman. And Madonna has a coffee table book, okay, mm-hmm. of her, I want to say. Bound and Rope. Yeah, yep. Bound and Rope with a gag. Big Daddy Kane yeah. and Naomi Campbell and, you know, with her whole uh, pussy out, everything. <laughs> You know what I mean? And it's yeah, like, right. and like, she can do that. I don't give a shit. But like, Janet got one nipple out and everybody saw it one time. But she's a black woman and you can't, you yeah, can't it was recover clearly from a things mistake. like that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, at least I always thought it was. was yeah. I, I don't think anybody was so stupid as to be like, you know what? We're this both, is what we're going to do. We're going to do with this Pepsi money. <laughs> pull this titty out. <laughs> They'll never forget this. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, also coming back to like the perception that black sexuality is wild. You know, mm, like the, yes. I mean, the cho- the choice of words from, from uncontrollable, Bessie, mm-hmm. yeah, like animalistic, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's where it comes through. There, people don't want to be confronted with that, or you know, white people don't want to be confronted with that to a degree. And yeah. Like, well, at least they do, but on their own sort of terms. Yeah. Like when they feel like, okay, I've given you permission to do this, so it's okay, and it's contained in some way yeah. but just like on its own that's not okay yeah you can't just nah you can't just do your own thing and that goes that's back too to, much to to bessie like where she said she literally was like you know uh in the south you know uh white people don't want you to get they don't mind if you get close but you can't get too big mm-hmm. and in the north 
they don't mind if you get big, but you can't get too close. Yeah, you know, there's right. the the black people or you know black women aren't able to define their own terms. They're not in their own sexuality mm-hmm. on the on their own terms. Their sexual agency. Is yeah, and like our space always has to be managed. I think a lot of white people feel like our space and our agency has to be managed by them. Like you say, on their happening on their own terms. So it's very interesting to me, especially when you when you bring up the partition imagery, harkening back to Josephine Baker, and sort of like you said, I never even thought about it this way, but just like I'm giving you this old imagery to say that none of this is new, and also none of me as a black woman doing this is new and Beyonce's definitely evoked Josephine Baker's iconography before she's worn a banana skirt I want to say for yep, she sure has. yeah she's worn a banana skirt I, she did a lot of dancing that was really similar to Josephine Baker's in the deja vu video you know we are all looking at some notes that we put together for this episode and we're looking at I guess like a chronological list of like through black line. yeah through line even like mm-hmm. black female superstars and every single one of them now that I look about look at it with the exception Exception, I would say, of Whitney. And there's a whole bunch of Clive Davis and like yep. 80s cheese ball America's sweetheart yeah. wrapped up in that. But all of these women, aside from Whitney, that we're looking at, you know, like we said, Ma Rainey, Billie Holiday, Diana Ross, Donna Summer, Tina Turner, Janet, Beyonce. There's that through line of just like people not being able to handle their quote unquote wild sexuality. And then also the a through line that we discussed before of people not being able to believe that this woman is as talented and as savvy as she is. Yeah. It's like, you know, we think about Beyonce at the Grammys and we talked about this. I think we talked about this with Azealia too. And this, like, there's this cultural smudging that also, like, me as a regular black woman, like, I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to have people not think that I am capable of making something. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Even sometimes, if I talk to other people about the show, people assume that you do all of the editing all of the time. Because they don't, wow. do you know what I'm saying? Like, even just stuff like that. Yeah. People don't think that I sit in front of a computer that we share this work. Do you know what yeah. I'm saying? I mean, or even, I mean, to be really real, like, for, I've talked about how busy the yeah. situation has gone. Like, Brittany held it down for a long time, was doing all of the editing <laughs> for a minute. Like, yeah. And it's like, you know, just little, like, stuff like that I relate to as a regular black woman that, um, that not being able to get the credit that you deserve. And then also, I mean, in so many other contexts, and some of that has to do with me specifically as a black woman. Some of it has to do with the way that I look in, in in comparison to other people, I suppose. But like people assuming that I am going to behave a certain way, or people assuming that I'm oversexed, or people, or I, you know, being very careful about what I wear in different situations because of the way that my body shape looks. Like you know, having the feeling myself video come out this week, and then also watching Bessie this morning, which also came out, I guess, in the past like seven to ten days. Beyonce's dealing with the same shit that Bessie was dealing with, even though Beyonce has subscribed to all y'all's fucking respectability politics outside of attending college. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah, literally every single one of them outside of attending college. But like these super famous women who have all this success are still dealing with a lot of the same shit that like I deal with on a, on a day to day basis. Like it can only be mitigated so much by money and by fame and by status. And that's like, yeah, <laughs> like, I don't know if I was the only person that noticed this. And I thought initially I thought it was just an inconsistency in Queen Latifah's speech. But then I thought it might be something else where because she does, of course, coming from Chattanooga, she's going to have a little bit of a southern drawl. Uh-huh. But then in the meetings that she took, it kind of went away a little bit. I feel like I noticed a difference in her diction where almost before Bessie really has her guard up and she's, you know, determined to just be who she's going to be, which I totally get and respect. And she kind of speaks with this Southern drawl. And then it's in the last recording session. It's the one with Benny Goodman where she's kind of softened up a bit, like just the way that she's Mm. just her voice, like the way that she greets them. I noticed that. It's not as harsh as it was before, which kind of just made me think of Beyonce because Beyonce used to get so much crap for basically like sounding like a black girl who grew up in Houston. Mm -hmm. You know, people people would make fun of her diction or lack thereof. Mm. You know, it was just it was like another sort of like mark against her, you know, and sort of evidence that she just wasn't very bright. And I'm like, I'm I'm guilty of like making those assumptions about her too. Like I'll own up to it. And now like, you know, she's totally transcended that. It doesn't matter. But she's definitely, she doesn't speak as much. She still never speaks a whole lot. No. Probably I think when she did her documentary, that's the most we've seen Beyonce talk. I think that was by design. Yeah. 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 But she still, she sounds different. She's lost kind of that like Houston folksiness that she had, Mm. you know, when she was first coming up. Like there's always, there's all these like little subtleties. 
and I was speaking to a professor about something related to this. We were talking about crossing over. I talked to her about this first story I did about Sofia Vergara and sort of the similarities between her career and the things that she had to go through and the things that Carmen Miranda had to go through. Yeah. <laughs> So this professor that I'm talking to at the University of Illinois is basically talking about how, like, you have one or two ways you can go, which is you can either, like, really lean in, like, really hard to your otherness, like, the thing that makes you different and play Mm -hmm. that up the way Sofia Vergara has, or you can sort of, like, gradually, you know, basically whiten yourself. Mm. Um, And I'm not saying that that's what Beyonce has done like literally because it's not like oh Beyonce's trying to be white like that's not that's not what I mean but it's it's a proximity to whiteness yeah, yeah. it's almost like a code switch yeah know, absolutely a like a slow slow building <laughs> code yeah. switch right. and it's I mean it's deep I, it's interesting that you noticed it like that like I thought like when I saw Bessie I thought it was because she was worn like I thought she was tired I thought you she know? was softened by age yeah oh and but I mean that's interesting as well though because I think she might have been it might have been the time she was softened by age but also she was in a space where everyone was really truly recognizing her talent mm. yeah which mm-hmm. was different than everything else that she had, she had experienced like when she when she went into the first meeting with Black Swan Records it was an audition it was clear that this right. was an yeah. audition um, she didn't have it yet but when she came into the this last session like they had a book of all her like all of her yeah. music. These are all the songs that you've written. We want you to make the choice of what you'll sing. Mm-hmm. Benny Goodman came up and he was like, I, I love your work. Right. I'm so impressed. And the set musicians were integrated, too. Yeah. yeah. They weren't all white. So yeah. it, it's like she's I feel I, what I meant to say was that before, like there was almost like this defensive like posturing that mm. she had to adapt just to get what was hers and then mm. finally she could kind of like just let that go and like and then you see this really sort of like softened femininity like come from her um that's very nikki though too that's very yeah. like pink print era nikki is like she had to like i can only imagine the kind of shit that nikki had to deal with yeah. to get to the point that she's at and actually we mentioned this in i think one of the smudging episodes where we talked about the crown interview that she did with um elliot smith elliot, smith, elliot wilson jesus christ elliot smith is not same person. Yeah. <laughs> like white yeah, I was like, look at me taking it back. Yeah, the one that she did with Elliot Wilson. She she got into some of that a little bit, but yeah, you can sense a lot of you know the, the pickle juice speech that you referenced earlier, Soraya. Like you can see that young whippersnapperiest, or even if like I don't know, you've been you you work in newspapers. Do you know what I'm saying? You work. You're a journalist. Like you're a writer. Like that's a super white industry. And like me, just like being a regular old. I don't say what my day job is here. It's not important. But, like, I've had various day jobs, and, like, sometimes you're the only black person, let alone the only black woman in the office. When I, I think about myself younger, and I was very angry, I think, a lot of the time. I, even if I didn't show it all the time, I was angry because I was there. I was mad, and yeah. I was the only one. I imagine that you you think about back on yourself as younger. Like, did you feel that at some points, like, when you were coming up in your industry? Oh, yeah. How old was I? Um... I would say, like, around 2007, 2008, I was very, very, very angry. (laughs) I was living in California at the time, and I was living in Orange County, California, which is extremely stratified. Like, there just aren't very many black people there at all. And just economically, it's so divided. It feels like a county of really, really, really wealthy white people and the mostly brown people who work for them. And that's kind of it. And, you know, I covered... I covered a Champions Tour golf event. And I had, like, two or three, like, different people, like, who would either, you know, it was very clear that they wanted to sort of, like, let me know what my place was. Because I'm, like, walking around with a tape recorder and a notebook and a big badge uh, that's very visible that says press. And I still had these people who, like, assumed that I would take their trash. Like, literally, that I was there to take their trash. Seriously? Oh, yes. <laughs> I spent that year just furious, and I didn't even realize how furious I was. That's deep. I mean, honestly, that, that really reminds me of, like, kind of the last episode we were talking. <laughs> like, you know, with these microaggressions and things like that, and, like, there's only but so much you can truly respond and act out. I mean, it makes sense. It kind of connects with Bessie. Like, you know, she had to be her most uh, vocal, her most, like, boisterous to a degree, mm-hmm. like, self to protect against all of this shit 
mm-hmm. that she was faced with. It's interesting. We, we've been talking about music, and you, Soraya, are a culture writer. All of these people that we've been talking about, all these women, these black women we've been talking about, who have reached the highest heights of success within their industry, the industry they're referring to is music only. Now, you cover all entertainment all culture and you're kind of a queen of all media if I do say so myself <laughs> um, but like from your perspective <laughs> not just as a culture writer but specifically as a black woman culture writer in this part in 2015 right why do you think that music is sort of the only arena where black women can get anywhere close to their due right okay well let's take a look at that for a minute because there's there's definitely a lot of truth to that you know music is very personal because it, it's actually like this like this medium like podcasting because it's something where people can divorce the person from the sound especially i think if you're going back to like the early 20th century where you know where we don't see people constantly where you can have a sound and you know that it's coming from black people but they're not just there in front of your face Mm. Whereas if you're consuming a movie, there's always a constant reminder of this person's blackness because you're looking at them. Mm. Um, Whereas like music is sort of like deeply personal. It's something where you can just sort of close your eyes and like lose yourself in it. And even though people bring their regional inflections and, you know, their personal stories and all sorts of things to their art, there's always something that people can sort of connect to where, like, you can close your eyes and you're just like, this sounds great. Like, this makes me feel good. I can't help but want to get up and shake my black bottom or tap my foot or do whatever it is, Mm -hmm. you know, because, like, this just evokes a certain emotion in me. That doesn't necessarily require you to do a whole lot of work to recognize someone else's humanity. If you're looking at that in contrast with, say, looking at someone uh, on a screen as an actor. Because this is a problem that doesn't just persist, like, racially, but also through gender. Like, you know, Meryl Streep talks a lot about that, where, like, producers know and studio executives know that one of the biggest problems they have with the male audience that they're trying to court, like young males, is that there's just this disconnect when it comes to relating to female characters, or at least that's the crutch that they lean on, right? That they just Mm -hmm. can't imagine themselves in these positions, Uh, And so you keep giving these male-driven movies male heroes and male stars because it's easy for the viewer to see themselves in this person and get invested in their story. And this, you know, like this persists like across genres. You know, girls will read stories that are written by men, but boys won't read stories that are written by women. Mm Mm-hmm. And so when you think about that in terms of music, there's not this face that's constantly reminding you of how you're different from them. You can bring your own stuff to it. You see people do that. You know, if we want to go back to Taylor Swift and her, like, love affair with Kendrick Lamar, (laughs) you know, she can not only enjoy sort of, like, consuming his art, but she can put her own spin on it so that she can Instagram herself, you know, rapping Kendrick Lamar lyrics. Yeah. She doesn't necessarily have to put anything on. Like, she... She can just be her regular, like, Taylor Swift, you know, Mm -hmm. white girl self. And that's fine. So I think when you look at these women and the success that they've been able to have, it's because there's there's this undeniable talent that's going to remain, like, whether you know them or not. Right? Because these are women who still, who are still giants after they've died. People are still buying their records. You know, people are still, you know, trying to decipher Billie Holiday, you know, long after she's gone. You know, it seems like it takes years after that before there's sort of this interest in this in her as a person and like all of the things that she was going through, you know, mm. like we're seeing that sort of renewed interest with Nina Simone. Oh, my yeah. God. People love Nina Simone, like all over the country and the world. You know, she was just fabulously popular in Europe. Mm-hmm. But once she started to kind of remind people of her blackness, when she really started dedicating her career to the civil rights movement and mm. recording all those songs, you know, like Mississippi Goddamn, except, you know, it was like an entire album of yeah. music about how black people were being subjugated. You know, that's when her commercial career started to falter. But when you're able to sort of like suspend that and just sort of like lose yourself in what they're doing, I think that explains a lot of these women's success. Well, you said something actually really interesting. Can we also get a get a hot damn? Yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Shit. that wasn't even anything that I had. Um, I could never have put that that way. So yeah, thank you for coming. Um, Thanks. <laughs> but you said a phrase that really stuck out of my mind, which was recognize their humanity. 
something that Eric and I talked a lot about this week, where we have this moment where we have, as popular, and, and to be honest, I, I will give Taylor Swift this, she's incredibly talented, but as popular and as talented as she is, and as well executed and beautifully shot and beautifully edited as this video was, obviously superbly cast <laughs> via Instagram <laughs> and fake friendships, Nikki and Beyonce were still able to like come through and just like shit on that in like a in like a matter of hours right by just like and by, by putting their video on this ridiculous ass subscription service that don't nobody want to use in the first <laughs> goddamn place right they managed to use the jankiest shit to release it and they still shit on this girl's video still like maybe a day or two after that we have Eric and I talked about um, this say her name thing so Nikki and Beyonce were able to use their hyper visibility to completely like just take down one of like the biggest pop stars of our time right now um, in this huge project that she had been teasing out and teasing us with for like a month or teasing some people I wasn't paying attention to what she was doing but and they were able to use their hyper visibility and also their you know black cool to kind of take that out but then you have say her name and you have oh the national day of action you know seeking justice for all black women and girls that was like was that May 21st I think that was like Thursday of last week we're gasping I think there are a few people there's a critical mass of people who are gasping for air trying to get people to learn the names and memorize the names and memorialize the names of these black women and girls who have been killed via state violence and we're still struggling for that i don't i don't know that i saw as much coverage of that as i would have liked to i don't know if i saw as much participation as you know as i would have hoped it brought to the fore in my mind not but a couple days later or a day later the invisibility that exists for the average black woman right but it's interesting when you talk specifically about music that invisibility is what you know or, or the choice to have the the artist remain invisible is what allows for this success on some levels you, you can i guess even though they're these super famous black women who are super successful they still not just in the regular everyday ways that you and i kind of deal with but they still just via their medium have to grapple with people who consume their their identities, their art, their bodies in so many ways, choosing to see them as invisible when it's convenient. And like, that shit freaked me the fuck out. Like, you really, 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 really brought that home, Soraya. I'm like, goddamn. I mean, (laughs) yeah. You really brought that home. I mean, I think just black culture in general is something that I think the world has been able to consume with so much distance. You know, mm-hmm. like, we were talking about The Wire recently. Yeah. You know, we can watch The Wire all day. You can watch a Wire marathon, go through, <laughs> you know, man, all of these folks, like Stringer, we can talk about, you know, Marlo, we talk about Omar. Snoop. Yeah, like, and yet, you don't care about, you don't care about the people who actually live in these neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, The Wire, like, it's, it's a neighborhood in Baltimore that looks like The Wire. <laughs> right. <laughs> and nobody gives a shit. And, you know, definitely taking that back to to the unfortunate, like, distance between not only caring about state violence against black men, but black women. Like, so much culture is consumed from black women. Like, think about twerking. How many, like, how many white girls out here twerking? Mm-hmm. Don't nobody give a shit about the black woman who made that, mm-hmm. you know? Like, oh, I think the twerk team only has this is why one I member did. left. <laughs> I remember this is why I did like it was like the second season of Big Frida show um, Mm -hmm. was premiering. And I was like, oh, we got to do a Big Frida story Um, because because, yeah, because there had been like all of these videos and, you know, sort of like kicked off by Miley Cyrus, you know, where now, okay, twerking's a thing like granny twerking is a thing. Everybody's twerking. And I was like, okay, wait, let's remember Big Frida. Yeah. (laughs) And she was in. This is what happens: is that as things get adapted and cross over, you have to find like you have to find new things. You have to find new ways to express yourself. And Big Frida said in an interview, she's like, "Oh, you know, we're past working. Like that's you know, that's the last year. Whatever. <laughs> 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 on to something else. You know, onward." And that's that's what happens. Like things, you know, get absorbed into the larger culture. And then, you know, you see like black folks like constantly sort of like reinventing themselves and creating new things until those, you know, until people get hip to those things, too. And <laughs> it's just it's ongoing. Yeah, I, I have to give us as a people credit, black folks, because we managed to outrun people. For, for a little while, yeah, <laughs> we manage, while. we'll manage out. We'll, we'll come up with some new shit. Like seriously, if you left black folks in a padded white room with some pots of pans for like three hours, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> we would have built like a camera, recording equipment, 
a, a studio projector. <laughs> like you, you come back, we would already film a music video. As Dre says, we're gonna put you on a sound. <laughs> put the world on a sound. Exactly, we'll put you on a sound. <laughs> but it's interesting, even when you talk about erasure, you talk about Big Frida and Miley Cyrus. You and I had, you and I, Eric, we had a G Chat conversation. As soon as I saw the summer, was it the no? It was the Celebrate Brooklyn or whatever uh, lineup? Yeah. yeah. And Fuck. I saw that they was gonna do a screening of Paris is Burning. So I'm like, oh, interesting. Like, they're going to do it in Brooklyn. It's going to happen in New York. I think it's like the 20th or 25th anniversary. They're going to have the director, Jenny Livingston, who I know that some people had some issues with the way that she went about making uh, I mean, the film. I mean, a lot of people had issues. Well, um, yeah, a lot of people had some issues. But a lot of the stuff that I read about her and what she tried to do as far as doing it. like it she seemed fairly genuine. Yeah, she yeah. seemed fairly genuine. I think she went about legit. So they're going to have Jenny Livingston there. I was like, this is going to be cool. So I'm like, oh, what? You know, what queer women of color, what trans women, what black trans women, black and Latina trans women are they going to have? Because, like, you're in New York. You have, there's still, like, a lively ball scene. Like, who are you going to bring in? You have to tap somebody. I saw they had J.D. Sampson from Latigue. I was like, <laughs> you like, oh, what? <laughs> what? Y'all got this, you got this white, pro- what? You couldn't find, what? Nope. Brooklyn? Huh? Like, and I G-chatted you, and I was like. This is fucked up. I was like, this is erasure happening in yeah. front of our motherfucking eyes, right? Yeah. And then, I mean, fortunately, some folks got mad, as, as they rightfully should have. And, like, you're not going to see my black ass there. I can tell you that much. But, like, I, you know, the ingenuity of black women, like, they steal, they steal Vogan. Black women going to come up with something else. Like, trans people of color going to come up with something else. I guarantee it. But, um, I mean, you know, I guess that's the little solace that we do get. <laughs> it's that... <laughs> We managed to, they're killing us. They're stealing our shit. They're erasing us from history. They rob us of our sexual agency. They uh, call us whores in publications. Even wild. though, yes, wild, animalistic. They throw our bodies at us. <laughs> but we can always come up with something new. Summer's coming. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, a lot of y'all are talking about looking at all these young ladies out here wearing spandex and stuff like that. Learn your history, man. It's a lot of Caribbean women. Who are in dance yep. halls in various in various uh, clubs and institutions where you could you know what is it what do they call it danceries as uh, my girl <laughs> Mary J Blige would say oh uh, uh, wait 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 because now it's apparently dance soiree I heard that people were like oh and I'm like no you guys dancery a dancery is actually okay, Mary uh, right but you know <laughs> but you <laughs> whatever Mary said dance soiree dancery whatever but there were there were black women and Caribbean women for decades up. Posted up a lot of y'all's aunties, cousins, grandmas posted up in the club with these spandex cat suits on and the mesh and all this kind of stuff. So when you're seeing these girls out here with these outfits on with the baby hair and the different color nails and the really amazing braids and, you know, all that kind of stuff, know your history, man. Look up your uh, look up your dance hall club photos. Thank your aunties. Yeah. So on that note. Oh, uh, wait. We had a couple. We had a, I had a thing. We got to oh, 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 people. My bad. Come here. Oh, Sorry. yeah. So, um. Yeah, we we always managed to leave on a down note. No, I think that was, I mean, that was. No, that was actually kind of. That wasn't that bad. It, it was better than last week, <laughs> last actually. Week, you know. I mean, you can't get, we can't get too much dying. worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but this week it's like, they're stealing our shit, robbing us and killing us, but at least. Summer's coming. Yep, summer's coming. <laughs> it's just Phoenix cat suit. I used to own one, by the way. Wore it around my house. Anyway, so for all of our listeners in the San Francisco Bay Area, on Saturday, June 27th, 6 p.m. to 9 p.m., at this little place called Oak Stop in Oakland, I will be speaking on a panel with a few other people. Terrence Nance, the director, Numa Perrier of Black and Sexy TV, um, and a few others on a panel about black creatives that is being put on by the Museum of the African Diaspora in San Francisco. So it should be a good event. It's definitely going to be some alcohol. I'm going to be talking. I already know what shoes I'm wearing. Um, they're really cute. So if you want to come and see, you know, all the awesome people that they're going to have, see a nice, beautiful, black San Francisco, Oakland, Bayish area crowd, please come on out. I would love to see you guys. Eric, unfortunately, can't make the sojourn because I know. coming. I was going to say, he's actually doing something that is legitimately much, much more important, <laughs> which is awaiting the birth, the arrival of his uh, lovely daughter, yes. um, who Soraya gifted this morning. I'm so hyped. <laughs> tell, <laughs> him, tell, him what, tell him what she got. Let me tell you. So I come out, I wake up this morning, I'm like, man, I really need some water. My mouth is mad dry because I ate like I ate like 15 pieces of Wingstop. <laughs> so I woke up, needed some water. I'm going into the kitchen and I come back out. I'm like, oh, Soraya's up. Hey, Soraya, what's going on? 
And I look over on the couch. I made a beeline. I stopped looking at Soraya. I was like, oh, fuck that. I was like, oh, my God. It's like <laughs> all these, like, little, like, Howard baby clothes on my couch, on my, like, couch and chair. And so I'm freaking out because everybody knows, like, I don't have it on right now, but 90% of the time I'm wearing <laughs> yeah. some Howard gear. Howard you know, fitted, I am, certainly. I am a stand, hardly home, always repping. Hell yes. And I'm so hyped now to have my little girl join the club. So thank you for that, Soraya. You no first one with some Howard gear. Yeah, now everyone will know, like, that's that's your girl. That's your yeah. daughter. Mm-hmm. She real. She, she real. real. She real. So thank you for that. Yes. So, yeah. So thank you, Soraya, so much for coming. You are a true fucking delight. Yeah, it's been a pleasure. Oh, thank you, guys. And you can come back anytime you want. I'm really flattered that you asked me to do this. Thank you. Oh, it has literally been our pleasure. You just schooled us. I'm sitting here. I'm about to go back and, like, try to remember everything that you said, <laughs> even yeah. though I can listen I was to like, it. I was like, I think, I think you can probably find this in your, in your phone anytime yeah. you want. <laughs> I don't know that it's that deep. But, no, nah, you definitely just schooled us, so it's, it's, it's nice. It's nice. Yes. So, so yeah, so uh, thank you for listening. Remember to... Listen, subscribe, share, rate, review. And read all of Soraya's work. Read all of Soraya's work. She's honestly every like she kills it at the fucking Washington Post. Like I'm obviously her friend, but I'm also Soraya Stan. Oh my gosh. That sounds that's, like a place where we could all live. Yeah. Soraya Stan. New hashtag. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, so again, listen, uh, if you're in the Bay Area, June twenty seventh, please come out and see me. I'm cute. <laughs> okay. It's true. I am offering my wholehearted endorsement of this panel. I wish I could be there to see it because oh it God, sounds I great. I wish. I wish. I wish you could be there to be on it. And then I could send the audience. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, thanks again, guys. And we'll talk to you soon. We'll talk to you soon. H-U. You, you know. know? <laughs> Hey, everybody. It's Rob Lowe here. If you haven't heard, I have a podcast that's called Literally with Rob Lowe. And basically, it's conversations I've had that really make you feel like you're pulling up a chair at an intimate dinner between myself and people that I admire, like Aaron Sorkin or Tiffany Haddish, Demi Moore, Chris Pratt, Michael J. Fox, There are new episodes out every Thursday, so subscribe, please, and listen wherever you get your podcasts.